Vivid Nectar podcast, the first interview on here. And I have the Shane Ramos, digital creators and artists that I've encountered back in 2018. And what's up, man? Hey, man. Appreciate you having me on here. You know, it's been mutual love and respect over the years. You've definitely been a day one in all this. So appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's uh, We were talking about earlier, just reflecting how, you know, how fast time goes on and just, you know, me witnessing your progression throughout the years and at the point that, you know, where you are now. And before I get too ahead of myself, I just want to ask, who is Deshane Ramos? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a visual artist originally from South Yonkers, New York. Um, always, art has always been in my life since day one. Um, I mean, I even have pics of myself as like a five-year-old just drawing on the floor. Uh, my, my surroundings in the household was always creative. Uh, my father, he was super into comics. So we would read comics growing up. Everything from Marvel, DC, Conan, Spawn. And within that, he was really into bodybuilding. So he used to draw off of the comic book styles. And that's where I learned anatomy uh, as my basis of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it helped me long term on how to draw. Uh, on my mom's my mom's side, she definitely knew how to draw, paint it all. She even went to college a bit for calligraphy. Um, she would make dresses for my sister from scratch, and I remember even her painting on our walls. Um, on my wall, she drew and painted Spider Man, and in my sister's wall, she painted the Bratz doll. So seeing that from nothing to a full-on painting on my wall, I was super amused. It, it was it, it definitely inspired me on what could be done in the art space. Yeah, definitely. I could imagine that, you know, usually just looking at a wall as, as a, all right, you know, you got your four, three walls, you can just yeah. space in between. But for your mom to look at it as a canvas definitely. and just use it as something to create, uh, create on, that's fascinating. And then as far as learning the anatomy you know, the anatomy of body parts, your father bodybuilding. And then, of course, the the influence you got from comics that helped you as far as, you know, with your art, yeah. drawing arms, legs. Yeah, stylistically and like how it was built. A lot of the characters in the comic books, you know, they had huge chests, like ripped abs and all that. So it was definitely um, its own style. I wouldn't say it's the perfect anatomy. But I, feel, I, I do a lot of cartoonish work anyways. So I mm. think it, it helped me develop my own style within that side of things. So, yeah. All right. And then stylistically, going through these comics, which superheroes do you usually like gravitate to as far as the way they're drawn? Yeah, I mean, the older I get, the less I really get into the, the hero space, like the Marvel and DC mm. space. But growing up, I think a huge one was Conan. I'm not sure if you know about that. Uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Um, I, also, Spawn. I'm not sure if you heard about Spawn. I'm familiar a bit with Spawn. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, uh, I think just the Marvel series. I remember um, Captain America. Um, just the whole Marvel universe. Uh, Spider-Man even. You know, uh, like the, the OGs in the Marvel shit, you know? Yep. Or even back in the day, like the the um, X Men series, you know. I remember they even have a TV show that I, I used to love. 
So I, I think as a collective, just superheroes in general, definitely was one of my bigger inspirations as a young kid. All right. And then as you continue to grow and listen to music, when did, how does the music, when you listen to it, how did that go into your art? Yeah, I believe around 14 and 15 is when I really got into hip hop. Uh, before mm-hmm. that, um, I was in Yonkers and, you know, growing up there, I didn't really have m- much ways to even listen to the music because that okay. was prior to the point where p- people had computers before iPhones, before all of that, you know, but around me, everybody was playing the real shit. So growing up in South Yonkers is like the home of DMX, Mary J. Blige. You just hear people bumping from their cars, like DMX, Jada Kiss, all the, Mary J. Blige, you know, was with, with crazy speakers, you know, like you could hear from blocks down, you know. Um, Everybody got them speakers booming. Yeah. So I didn't know. I didn't pick up what it was at the moment. But surrounding me was the culture. Um, and I'd say I remember going to our little in South Yonkers, there's a place called Giddy Square. And it's pretty much a square, square where you could just like shop. You, they have clothing, they have store get your, your, your uh, school supplies, they have pretty much everything there. And I remember as a kid going into Jackie's Kids, uh, it's a uh, clothes for kids over there. I used to always buy our uh, school clothes there. And I remember seeing Tupac on the jeans, on the branding of the jeans. But at that moment, I didn't even know who Tupac was. So I was introduced to people like that before really knowing what they did. Um, but then fast forward, I moved to the South when I was before my teenage years. And during that time, I definitely felt, felt the, the culture shock. Uh, being from New York and then going to the South uh, in Tennessee, it was completely different. No one could have even helped me understand the cultural differences from there. You know, I always tell people I... It went from being in New York, being 30 minutes away from Manhattan to going to the South and 30 minutes away, it's cows, it's farms. the land. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, like, and then it definitely was a pivotal point though because it was more so of a drop off. We moved there mm-hmm. just so we could get out the fuck shit, you know, because the streets was not getting any better. Um, the main goal was to just have me and my brother not be affiliated with the shit around us. You know, because it was hella gang violence, you know, gun violence all around. So we went to the South. And during the South, with the cultural differences of everything, I started gravitating toward things that reminded me like home. So when I started listening to hip hop and when I listened to Tupac as like a 14 or 15 year old, I'm like, oh, shit, I know this. But I don't necessarily know word for word or the track of the song or much of anything. But I've seen these people before. So I think I gravitated towards the music in that caliber too. Um, But a huge pivotal point of me just understanding hip hop was from Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy. That was a super impactful album for me overall. And from everything from the visuals of it to the actual music, it gave, I think, hip hop more, more value for the, mm-hmm. the everyday listener. Yeah, it, it definitely, 
for for me at the time, I I don't I remember the age, but I remember when the album dropped, I was on my Xbox and the Beats app was doing previews of every track. Yeah. And at the time, I was just compared to what I was listening to, it's like, yo, there's it almost rejuvenated the entire genre. Yeah. It changed the sonic landscape like, yo, this album is revolutionary. Yeah, definitely. And I think whenever I tell people what my goal is is look at the Kanye My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy album cuz Audio-wise, it's amazing. I think it's a 10 out of 10 perfection. And then when you look at the visuals behind it, with George Kondo doing the artwork from the front and then the pamphlets inside, you start to really grasp like what is possible and what does visuals mean to hip-hop. Because I think if you hand that to anyone, I have the vinyl, and it, it looks special. It looks you know, like, like, like it's, it's a piece of work. It's a piece of artwork as if you could just go to an art gallery in a fine art space and put it up. And you can do that because George Kondo is an actual artist too. So I think building relationships with other artists in different fields, I think is super important. And um, I think just Kanye over time shows us how much he respects the game, visually, in the audio sense, and everything around. Definitely. It's funny you say that because right now I look at, um, I just looked up and I have the vinyl sitting up on a little rack and I just yeah. look at it like, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely right. All right. So that transition from New York to Tennessee, definitely culturally, it was a shift. And visually, you know, being from where you were to now is like, yo, there's a lot more animals. There's a lot more land. There's yeah. a lot more driving you have to do going into places that affect uh, that affected you and it made you get more of your influences from back home. Yeah. And then when you were mentioning just even, you know, uh, sort of getting the music from hip hop, not sort of getting the music from hip hop, but when you would listen to certain artists who remind you from your home and then you would get influence from that. And then there was a bit of a shift listening to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy where it just changed everything yeah. from the way Kanye structured it, everything from the cover art, the way it was handled and to, to a point where you could, just the album cover, you could post it up somewhere and it's it's amazing. Yeah, definitely. All right. And as you continue to listen to music and you are creating art, how's your style as you are continuing to grow up? Did you start with the collage style or did you, how did you yes. grow? So growing up, I just had a love for drawing. Like it was just mm. me and the pencil. Um, and this is early 2000s. You know, so that's that's all I really had. And in that time, there wasn't tablets. There weren't, you know, like not even every household has a PC, especially not in the hood, you know. So Mm -hmm. um, as I got older, I started dabbling to more things um, because, you know, my my household, they, they were definitely helping me in my creative space. So my mom, you know, she would help me paint, you know, um, watercolor and all that. And but over time, I remember um, my father, he used to be a mover. So he would move different companies in New York. And he once moved Nickelodeon. And from that point, it was probably the MySpace days when he moved Nickelodeon. And he told me, he came back home one day. He was like, yeah, like the next thing I see them drawing on, on screens, like computers over there. And like, again, this is early 2000s. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. Um, the next step for you to draw is to draw on these tablets, on drawing tablets or whatever you call it. 
And it made me realize that, hey, at one point I need to pivot from paper to digital. But that was probably when I was six, seven. So that was in my head as a kid, knowing that later in life, if I pursue art, I need to get to that point. But growing up in Yonkers, I definitely had a passion for graffiti. You know, passion for graffiti. Yeah. So I think I just love hip hop and as an overall uh, culture, because growing because hip hop is divided into four things, four elements. It's emceeing, DJing, graffiti, and b-boying, breakdancing. And as a kid, I used to love graffiti. It was all around me. I can't get you know, in my household too. As much as they love art, they weren't appreciating portraits. Or you go to a gallery and, you know, it didn't really mean much to them when you look at these big name artists. But when I go down the block and I see some really good tags or some graffiti in a wall, we could all stop and adore what someone made. So I think just graffiti was a huge impact on me. And there's even a story my father told me. He was like, yo, if you want to make it big in this scene, I know a guy who used to be a graffiti artist and he ended up making a font. And some company bought a font and now he's rich. Rich as in maybe he got a couple thousand dollars, maybe a hundred thousand dollars. But at that time, being rich means different from being a millionaire, you know? Yeah. So I think my style really stems from everything from me drawing as a kid, you know, going on Google, just drawing pictures I want to draw. And then getting into painting as I get older, but a consistent basis of just having a passion for street art and graffiti. And uh, when I got older in the South, I started taking it a little bit more serious because when I, got, when I got older, I realized like, yo, I don't really want to do anything in life other than what I'm passionate about. And there was a split decision maybe freshman year. I was like, man, I might like this hip hop shit so much to the point where I might want to drop my art side of things because I want to be affiliated with this shit. But luckily enough, I invested in like a $75 laptop off eBay and I ended up just, you know, day in, day out, just continuously just practicing, practicing, practicing. Uh, I took a couple art, AP art classes uh, in my senior year. And I had like over two hours a day just to work on my own work, doing digital art. And over time, I just, it, I probably took three, four, five years and just practice, you know, um, and that's how I got the digital art. But before me tapping into the digital side of things, I definitely loved collaging. On my sketchbooks and all that, I would collage and I would even use cardboard as a base. So I would make some sculptural pieces off of cardboard because if you cut it with a Zapto knife, you could un- reveal the uh, ribbing of the cardboard and you could play, or play around with different textures. And I'm more so on the on the side of, hey, I'm going to use what I have instead of maybe buying a 50 to 75 $100 canvas. I'm just going to pick up some cardboard that's in the trash and make it art, you know? So that yeah, also- Using your limits to your advantage. Exactly. So I think that also ties into my like, my love for hip hop because you don't really need anything. It's just you and your hand, like you, you a spray can and you can make artwork the same way as my mom just had a- a paintbrush and paint on the walls. You know, you don't need much to create something great. Absolutely, absolutely. And 
I'm, I'm glad to know that about um, getting the cardboard, using the different textures as you rip it. Because when I look at some of your work right now and over the past couple of years, there's like different set of textures in the artwork. It isn't just, you know, one smooth kind of color paint. It'll, it'll have different, you have multiple different textures on there and it feels layered and to, you know, to an extent where it has a depth, feels sort of alive to an extent. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. All right. And one thing that, that I enjoyed here was the constantly having to continue to work, use using your limitations to your advantage and the consistency you had to apply yourself day in, day out, year out, year in, year out. And that freshman year, whenever you decided, all right, if you you know, that passion for hip hop to go all in, how how was it once you finally decided that was the route you wanted to go? Was it like a breath of fresh air? Was it like, all right, now I gotta go hard every single day? Uh, I think it was a multiple uh, things going around, uh, going along at that time. I think it was definitely a, a, a fresh breath air um, because I'm now doing something different from just drawing in my sketchbook or painting and doing anything physically. Um, yeah, it, 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 I think like everything though, it's fun at first and then it starts to become challenging, but in art, everything is problem solving. So it's just another sort of problem solving. I had to get used to everything. You know, I had to understand the capabilities of everything, um, all the tools and everything. So yeah, it was definitely a, um, learning process. I put probably... I've been doing this since like 2016, 2015, digital art. Mm -hmm. So it took, and now it's 2022. So it's been over five years. And yeah. uh, I, I think what, what helped was when I was posting artwork from the digital side of things, I would post it on Instagram and I would get a couple of likes and all that. So at the moment, I was maybe getting 10 likes, 15 likes. And I was like, yo, like this shit is crazy. Like, like people are now seeing my work. Maybe some of it is random bots because, you know, sometimes I use hashtags and like, yeah. you know, it's not real people. But at that moment, I didn't fucking realize I didn't know anything about that shit. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to continue doing this. And in a way, social media helped push me putting out content. And through yeah, that. And sorry. Oh, no, no, my fault. <laughs> and with that, yeah, I want to ask this. Using social, uh, using social media to create multiple platforms of for yourself so you started initially you know doing a post you're getting a couple of likes and yeah of course you know sometimes there'll be bots on there but yo that first like when you know it's from some like a real human yeah. it's powerful because like yo your art the content you created was able to connect with someone anywhere in the world really yeah how did you go about using social media for your platform and how did you leverage it okay yeah yeah so i mean i use all platforms i can because i think the biggest point of being an artist is that you're not just the visual artist you know the the person who makes the pieces but you're also your own marketer you're your own cheerleader you know you, you have to be your own businessman you know um and doing so is how do you get eyes to your work because a lot of people they see these 100k 200k accounts and be like oh why can't i be them or why aren't my posts getting thousands of likes and majority of the time it's not the fact that your art is less or it's bad it's more so you're, you're just not getting the attention you need, you know? So you just had to reach out and do the grind so people could see it. I've gone on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Tumblr, 
And there's some people I met on Reddit who see my work and I'm like, oh, check out my other platforms. And they're like, I don't have Instagram. And, but hey, I'll follow you on Reddit. And same thing with Instagram. Maybe someone has an Instagram, they don't have Twitter. So I think there's a lot of people in that, in that uh, sphere of things. So you just have to capitalize off of any and everyone who's willing to, you know, bring their attention to you. Um, and yeah, I think it's just capitalize off of every platform you can. Not in a, not in a financial way, but like I said, just if you, I think every artist deserves some appreciation. I know the work that you have to put in to all this. So I mean, when you put hours into it, you do deserve some feedback. Definitely, definitely, ten thousand plus hours of work, the consistency, and that was a great point you made too. That as much as you know, I mean, recently TikTok has blown up enormously, but before that, you know. Instagram, who doesn't have Instagram? Instagram being one of the biggest, but you have certain, you know, you have certain users and people that focus on Reddit or maybe Pinterest and understand it's like, all right, I got to post not just here. I got to continue on these other platforms. Yeah. And I think a big thing is too, that you could gain so much of a, a subgenre niche things when you post on different places, you know? So if you post on Tumblr, you're not going to get the same people as posting on Twitter, you know? And within that, I think a lot mm. of people like to grow with artists or anyone online, you know? Um, so if you're underground, if you don't have 100,000 followers, people do like being part of something big and seeing it grow over time, you know? Be like, hey, I was there in the beginning, you know? And um, and yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's crazy. I think a lot of people get distracted by the bigger numbers of, hey, I want to be at this point and, you know, comparing yourself to other artists, other art, like artists in general, whether you're a rapper, singer, visual artist, you're always going to compare yourself. So I think don't take it too hard on you on yourself and, you know, just just continue with the grind. All the emotions, whether you're happy, sad, stressed, just put it to the game. You know, you got to do your time to the game and that's just part of it all. Yeah, that comparison, man, that, it could be a killer, especially when I know I've experienced it. It's like, man, I'm posting every day. I'm killing it. I feel it. And then you just look at other accounts. You're like, damn, but how they got like 100,000 more than me over the cases. And it's important to know that, you know, everybody grows at their own pace. Even when, you, even when you feel that, you know, whether it's intimidation or sometimes not enough of that that confidence it's just like hey naturally it's gonna come and a great point that you said you know some people you know some people will hold themselves back by being like man i don't got that large following i don't have that large of a platform or i'm not that good when it comes to art but you know being able to just start in a position of where you're building people gravitate to that and to be able to be part of that process like you said you know it's something to experience some people hold on to like yo i've been you know i've been messing with this guy for like 10 plus years i've watched the growth it's like there's something that's special that's built with that compared to the people that you know oh just found out who they is at his biggest yeah and one thing to note too is that you're not fighting to be in this position you want to be in from like you're not fighting against people these are algorithms that you have to fight against you know, and finding what works for you. So that's even less of a personal take, I believe, you know, like it's not as if you're going to go to college and you have to get uh, checks off uh, from these professors. No, it's not like that. It's literal robots pushing out random shit to the viewer, you know, so as personal as it feels, it's not very personal when it comes to growing on social media at times. 
Yeah, these algorithms, man, sometimes they just... Like you said, it isn't even the people. It's just, hey, the way the platform's being geared or built, it's just not going to be in your favor. And so to go on to my next one, your account recently, um, you lost your old account earlier in the year. Yeah. And you've you've had to restart in this one. And, you know, you've been posting on the gram for about four to five years. How did it feel to have, you know, your previous account deleted at that point? Yeah, I think the worst part of it is that I never got answers, not like clear answers or what post uh, triggered something to get my account deleted. But like everything, like I, if if my back is against the wall, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick with me. I'm going to be 10 toes down and just continue to do my work. Just like everything else, if anything bad happens, I'm just going to put to the game. All this shit is passion driven. So it is what it is. This is not going to stop me. You know, I've been through worse shit in real life. So it's just part of the story. And it definitely hurt me maybe for a week. And I'm like, all right, back to work. You know, like, what else can I do? I can't just sit around. That's it right there. You know, so I think, yeah, like I said, it's like, you know, like a lot of the moments and a lot, you're going to have a lot of highs. You're going to have a lot of lows when you're in any business. And when you're trying to make your own entity, you're going to have more lows and highs. So I think just... How bad do you want it? You know, like, are you willing? There's a lot of people who are going to quit. Maybe the first hiccup, the, the second obstacle, maybe the, it's a 10th obstacle. But they're gonna, I, I've been through hundreds of thousands of fuck shit throughout my career. And it is what it is. I'm going to take it for what it is. Maybe I could learn from something from it. You know, or something, I could learn something from it. So uh, I just take everything as a learning experience. For me, if I could regain everything I once had and surpass it that means I have some sort of sauce you know like I know how to do this if I could do it twice so I think it just gives me a better reason why to strive way way past than what I originally once was at you know Mm -hmm. yeah and then for those of you guys that are listening uh, about the beginning of the year he had his uh, his original account deleted for no reason and then you know like you said it was about a week it hit you hard but then you you went right back at it and not only that but you saved i I would like to say you saved all your art that you would post on instagram correct yeah i mean everything you know is whether it's in my phone my laptop etc it's still saved but the, the the bad part of it all is that the instagram is so heavy on the dates and you can see your growth over time so mm-hmm. I think at the moment I had like 1,500 different posts. So di- 1,500 yeah. different pieces. And it's hard to go back and remember every single one, you know? So it, it yeah, I have everything, I think, but I wouldn't even know if I'm, I don't have any because there's so many. Yeah, and one of the things, one of the things I love was to see the comeback. Cause like you said, once you came back, I remember seeing new pieces and old pieces. And it's like, damn, if people didn't think they were eating enough on content, now we got about four or five years of worth of content <laughs> consistently being posted. You're able to see what you're doing right now, what you've been doing in the past. And this is for anybody out here who's a creator. Save your work. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, these platforms use them to your leverage, use them for your marketing. But if anything goes bad, you got to be prepared for it. And I, I, would, I was happy to see new account. We back at it. And, you know, like you say, we ain't sweating it. We've been through a lot. We're going to continue to post and we're going to continue to keep growing and just do just do what you got to do. 
Yeah, man, it's all love. And yeah, it's just that the crying never stops. You know? Definitely. Yeah, like you said, if you really want to get what you want, if you want to get what you dream, what you want to set for your future, it's probably going to be the hardest thing you're going to do in your life. Yeah. And you're going to have everything thrown your way and you just got to keep on swimming. Yeah. And the one thing I want to say too is that as artists, as content creators, there's going to be new people following you on a daily basis. You know, so that when you repost, I'm all for reposting other work. Obviously, don't do it every day and don't do, don't repost the same piece five times a week. But there's going to be new people who see your shit that, that, you know, that, that would love a certain piece that you made three years ago. I post some pieces that are old and the same people who've been following me for years, they didn't know that's even an old piece because I made so much to the point where as an average viewer, they're not going to really keep track on everything I've done because also at the same time, the algorithm changes. If you post, it might not be in their timeline. So I'd say recycle some of your older posts and like keep them alive because there's new eyes that haven't appreciated just yet. Definitely, definitely repurposing your content, reusing it. And like you said, we ain't, you know, we ain't got to post like five times in one day in a week, <laughs> yeah. but those new eyes, it almost like, you know, the way TV shows used to be, like when a new episode dropped on something, it's not going to be shown once. Exactly. You know, you're going to see it again like three months later. They're going to do the whole season. You're going to rewatch the whole season. So definitely repur- being able to repurpose your content, reuse it, and just continue growing with that as well. Now, as far as, you know, your progression all the way up to this point, the social media aspects of it, let's talk about a little bit about music, man. Let's talk about yeah. into the albums. So... You know, a large amount of your art being posted, of course, is artists, hip hop artists. And what are so some what are some of your favorite hip hop artists right now? Damn, that's that's a heavy question because so many people out right now. Um, it's ridiculous how talented these so many people are right now. Yeah, I'd say album wise, I think album of the year for me is Kendrick. Um, I knew it, Mister Miranda, Big Steppers. You know, I think that shit hit so many spots in our culture that don't really get talked about, you know, um, big up Kendrick, man's the goat. Um, I'd say also to contender for the uh, album of the year, I think the game, he dropped an incredible album, in my opinion, you know, going in, I, my brother, he was like, yo, the game's dropping tonight. I'm like, all right, I'm not trying to listen to that, to be honest. And then I listened to it. I was like, what the fuck? That shit crazy. You know, like dramatic, I, right? Yeah. I was surprised how good it was. And all the feature he had, all the features he had, crazy. I don't know. How do you feel about the album? I I still haven't listened to it, man. What? It's been on the back burner. I've been debating it. I was just like, ah. Man. I feel that. I feel that. He had some just, He had some heaters. He got Ice T on it, uh, Five Year Foreign, you know, got push a T on it. Crazy. Push, man. Freaking coke king right there with the bars but yeah. you know what i'm happy you loving it that much i'm gonna push myself to check it. i don't got anything against the game it was just one of those albums i was like if i listen to it i'll listen to it if i don't i don't know i could sort of live without it yeah it's <laughs> definitely it, a long album though so i think it's like over an hour long an hour and 30 minutes so there's there's you know there's a couple songs i'll skip but i'd say just one day do a full listen and uh mm. see what you think all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure because 
I want to say he's independent. Can't remember, but it's just like, hey, you gotta gotta get them streams. You know, <laughs> yeah. good quality tracks. So it's full of game the streams. I see what the game's doing. But to go back to Mr. Morale and the big steppers, man, um, it's crazy. Us waiting damn near what five years for the album to drop, having the heart part, what was it, heart part five, five right yeah. before. Yeah, I was just like, I remember the first crazy. time I watched it, the first night, I'm like, ah oh, man, babe, this is about to be crazy. I'm talking with my girl. And then seeing hearing Kendrick Lamar rap from the perspective of different people seeing the crazy. cgi face change up i was crazy. like what's going on here but i feel like he only kendrick could have done that i think in any other way if you change the face from kendrick to nipsey i think it would have been i, I think if, it would have felt sour if someone else did that you know because mm-hmm. with the history of nipsey and kendrick like they were taking the west coast hand to hand you know him Kendrick, Nipsey, YG, you know, like they, they they represent the West. And seeing that coming from a heartfelt place and pretty much talking to the culture overall, I think it's it was an important thing to do. Definitely. And one thing that it reminded me of whenever I seen Kanye's face for Nipsey, it reminded me of Mortal Man on To Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. Whenever he's having the yeah, that sort of interview with Tupac, not sort of like the way he made the track be like an interview with him and Tupac and then seeing him rap with Nipsey face. I'm like, I got that exact kind of ambience from it. Yeah, I think the whole track was definitely more so on like the uh, To Pimp a Butterfly uh, type of vibe, which I was not expecting because we just came off of damn you know and i thought maybe he trying to go for the hits again because at mm. that time when damn came out everyone's like oh no uh kendrick he he's not better than drake he got no hits he got no radio hits you know but when damn came out almost all the tracks were probably on the radio you know man when damn came out like damn every track he didn't even cop out out of his own artistry it's like no nah, i'm kendrick lamar i'm gonna make my music my way and it's going to chart at the same time. Crazy. And he got hella numbers. That's why when looking at Damn, I thought he was going to sell way more this time. But I realized it's a little bit more of an artistic album. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, it doesn't have enough replay value, which I understand. But I think as an artist, you need to understand that this is a necessity for our culture. When, once we have, I mean, hip hop right now is so scattered. Not necessarily in a bad way, but there's so much going on, you know, and having that, I feel like Kendrick at this point is an OG in this shit. You know, he'd been doing this for so long. He got pointed by Dre, Snoop, and everyone. There's not many people in the game who get those cosigns, you know? So I think he, even with the album cover with him in the crown saying, I'm not your savior, I think that's such a bold statement when everyone in hip hop wants to be the king, you know, who wants to be God, you know? So again, Big shout out to Kendrick. Definitely one of the GOATs. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I was on, I was on board with you there too. I was like, man, this is going to sell crazy. It, it did it sell crazy, but just being able to appreciate the music, appreciate the art. And I've noticed um, a lot of Kendrick pieces coming from you, Mr. Morale Inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I just love seeing the pieces from enjoying the album, from seeing you uh, create those pieces. So when you're in that process, is there like a specific song in mind or is it just like based on the album cover? How, how does it work? I think the beauty of this all is that whenever I make pieces for certain artists, I listen to their music, their whole discography, mm-hmm. you know? So I feel like I'm really in tuned in what I'm creating. And whenever I make these Kendrick pieces, I go back to the album. And in, in, in a way, it gets like tiring because 
as much as I'm listening to these bars and all that, I still think back on my old life or my life now, you know, mm-hmm. and all the times in life, all the hardships, etc. You know, I mean, when I was smoking a shit ton, I would just be smoking, listening to music and creating art. And that got me in a specific emotional state, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing with hip hop is like some people might be like from the outside in be like, oh, they're only talking about this, this and that. But it's like, yo, you see these these kings who come from nothing, who was counted out in the first day that they were born and to see them, you know, change the, the modern world of things from the way people dress to the way people talk. I, don't, I think that's that's a win. You know, like that, that's that's a real that's some real king shit. You know, prevailing through all the bullshit. So I think, I think hip hop just speaks for everyone who you know, who been through something. And um, yeah, I think it's yeah. When I make these pieces, at times it gets emotional. Yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be feeling for what they've been saying word for word, bar for bar. So, yeah. Hundred percent. I'm right there with you. There's certain tracks where it's just like whether it's through certain events on my own life that I could relate to, or even just the influence coming from it. It's like, man, hip hop, hip hop doing the best, best genre in the world. Some of the most creative, amazing projects, songs. And going forward from here, let's talk about some of their collaborations or some of the work you've done with major businesses from the likes of Netflix, Reebok, Rock Nation, as well as having cover arts for my fault. Let me restructure this. Doing your collage art for the likes of Netflix, having it for the Platinum Plague of Halsey's album, and as well as Warner Music Group, Foot Locker, and even having your own book covers. How how do you handle the business, man? How are you able to, you know, get all of this happening? Man, at times I'd be looking back and I'm like, damn, how did this happen? You know, but a lot of times you have to take it day by day. You know, and there's a large percentage of time where like, all right, I'm going to be posting every day, you know, be on my grind so people could, you know, find me. And then there's times <laughs> where the, everyone hits me at the same time. Hey, we need this. We need that. We need this. We need that. And you just have to take it day by day. And I mean, as a kid, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with these corporations and uh, and just make some sort of impact. And it's just I'm incredibly thankful and grateful, humbled, all, all the words that describe <laughs> grateful, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of work though. That's the thing where it's like some people from the outside in, I don't really speak too much on like the up, like the, the downs of it all, but mm. trust me, like this shit is a real business. And with that being said, you know, like you, you got to sacrifice a lot. You know, there's times where like you, you can't, you can't link up with no homies. You can't ha- have a fun time. You can't go out. You know, yeah, you have to stay up 24 hours. There's days where I, I stay up 48 hours, you know, two, two That's days. That's hustle right there, 48 exactly. hours. Exactly. So it's like you need this shit to wait. And I think a lot of people in our, like, hustle culture in America right now, uh, people always be like, yeah, you, you always have to be on that grind. And as much as I relate and I understand how of a necessity it is nowadays, I think you have to do it in a way where it doesn't hurt you. You know, I, th- I think... I went through a lot of downs in this business shit because I dedicated my whole day on my whole life into one thing and just putting out content, putting out artwork. And I did not even think about my health. I wasn't even eating at one point. You know, I wasn't sleeping. 
And with all mm. that together, you're going to fuck yourself over. So I think the smart way to go about it is finding some sort of structure. You know, like make sure you do what you got to do, but also your health comes first. Because if you get sick and you have all the, the, the opportunities to do what you need to do, you can't do it because you're sick, you know? So I think a big part that I'm still learning is to find a schedule. Try to wake up at a decent time. Um, make sure you drink a lot of water. Make sure that you get food in your system, exercise, so you could really, really, really uh, take advantage of what what is there and what's to come, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, glad you mentioned, you know, the the hustle, the side hustles, the, the mentality to just continuously work, work, work. But if you don't, you don't set some time for yourself, that burnout's going to catch up. And depending on the kind of burnout, you know, that could really be detrimental to your lifestyle, your health. Yeah. And so when while you're going through this, so for example, going on on my block season three, seeing your seeing your art on the billboards, seeing it on the Times Square, man, how did it feel? How did it feel? Man, it felt a whole bunch of type of things. Cause I I think a lot of people, it's like, hey, do you uh do you celebrate when you see shit like that? And as much as I want to say yes, before that, it took like three months, four months to really get that done. Cause I did the poster, I did the billboards, I did what you see in app and Netflix. Um, on, the, on the Netflix Twitter, on the Netflix yeah, homepage. Literally yeah, everything. I, I, I don't want to cut you off. I remember waiting for that season. I look at the arm like, yo, that looks <laughs> real familiar. Like, that looks exactly like, and then I go on your page. I'm like, what? Yeah, what? man. No. That like, shit was hype. I appreciate all the support, too. Like, that was definitely, like, I feel like as much of it as, a, as a win it was for me, a lot of people uh, consider that a win for the community, too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy because, you know, being from South Yonkers, there's nothing there, bro. Like, you know, like you either sell drugs, get into drugs, get in some, you know, you, you get in some gang shit. You know, like you, if you look at the people who came out of that is DMX, Mary J. Blige, The Locks, Jada Kiss. You know, it's like there's not much there. And and that that's the sad part. The, the, the saddest part is that there's so many cities like that in America around the world. You know, so I'm not the only one who understands that. But being able to go to the city and see the billboard in Manhattan, in Times Square, with my artwork attached to that, made the South Yonkers kid proud, you know? And also doing it into the effect that there's five brown kids on the poster. You know, when, when you talk about diversity in, in modern day, um, everywhere at this point, you know, like, you don't really see representation like that. So... I think it's just important for people who was part of that show, also for a whole bunch of cultures that, you know, haven't been seen and haven't given that limelight that they deserve. Definitely. It's inspirational, too, because like you said, for that young kid right now in Yonkers, you know, depending on what they're going through, you know, what they have to deal with in their life, being able to look up and say, yo, somebody else, there was another kid from Yonkers that was, you know, is in a similar situation like you. And look what they've been able to accomplish and don't let your, you know, what's going on right now stop you from the future. Yeah. And I even got on Twitter, someone's like, oh, I'm from Yonkers too. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. See, that, that's, see, those are the wins I want to count. I don't give a fuck about the money. I don't give a fuck about all the numbers. But seeing the kids who grew up in the same place I grew up being, yo, I'm from this place, even though it's not the best, 
that that is what pushes me forward. Definitely. I'd love to hear it. And yeah, um, so, you know, of course, being being able to schedule yourself, have the discipline, not to experience burnout and knowing that you have to put in the 24 hours to 48 hours is something that takes, you know, a lot of work. It's incredible. The tenacity needed to continue to do that day after day. Now, and yo, it's, it's almost a superpower, man. So I just want to give you your flowers for that again. And then, you know, not just specifically on my blog, but I've seen that you even had You've even designed book covers. We're better than this. Elijah Cummings going from there when you look like us, Pamela and Harris. And I, I saw on the real you going into the bookstore and it's just like, yo, you're looking at these yeah. books. They have your art in them as well. And it's just, you've been able to not just go to a particular niche as a digital artist, not just, hey, we're only going to be posting for only like the gram or only for digital stuff, but to have it on a book to be able to see it on billboards you know it's it's impressive man it's impressive i appreciate that a lot man yeah i mean it's it's still crazy to me you know like the books was the first thing i've seen in store that i made and it's yeah it's i it's it's crazy because as a kid i'm like all right i'm gonna get my shit in these stores and i'm you know i really want to make my work seen and now being able to go to a Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, even being sold at Target, uh, Amazon, all over, it's like, damn, like, shit's crazy. And seeing that the some books that I've made the covers for are in certain curriculum. So, like, they're in libraries and all that. And again, having some sort of diversity in the books is a huge win. You know, like, I also, you, you mentioned the Disney uh, piece I made recently. And that's also for another book through Disney. So it was, it was a book deal. And oh, wait, 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 wait. Let's slow down a bit. Let's slow down a bit. <laughs> um, I haven't, I didn't know that yet. Yeah, I haven't yeah, announced but, it yet. Okay, so do you want to do, is this like the announcement for it? I guess so, I guess so. <laughs> oh, all right. So the Shane Ramos has a Disney project in the works for 2023, which is? A book cover. A book cover. All right. And but by the way, that's amazing. I remember seeing the announcement for 2013. I'm like, damn, I'm anticipating what could it be? Like, you know, when it comes, when it comes. So another book cover for Disney. Yes, yes, yes. And I think this is a little bit of a, it's definitely a special book because I think when we're talking about diversity and how important it is to have black and brown figures on our books and our you know, everyday representation, this book, the, 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 the main photo, the focal point is a, a black little girl. You know, mm-hmm. so a lot of my other pieces were like boys and all that. But having a, a girl as the focal point, I think is super important. And I'm super happy to be able to work with Disney on that. Man, that's exciting to hear. I love it. Definitely being able to see. Because uh, I know I know for me, my background is Puerto Rican and Dominican. Yeah, so I knew that. Sh- I picked it up. <laughs> I, I was listening to you uh, talk about Bad Bunny. I was like, yo, this, this, this dude, either Puerto Rican or Dominican. Yeah, I'm both. I'm both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, we could we could we could get to a little quick Bad Bunny pocket because I I remember seeing you um, Bad Bunny's he passed a certain milestone and I I saw you posting on the story. I'm like, ah, you listen to Bad Bunny too? We loving it. Un verano sin ti. How are we feeling about the album and how he's been able to just climb to the top, being a Puerto Rican artist? Man, I have so much love for Bad Bunny. You know, not gonna lie, growing up, you know, since. I moved to the South. Cultural 
uh, differences from the South and New York was uh, uh, definitely a task that I had to deal with. Uh, when I went to the South, being Puerto Rican, they think if you're either Dominican, Puerto Rican, you know, uh, Mexican, or, or anything else, they think you're Mexican, you know? So having everyone just see me as something I'm not, even though we're all Latino, we're all brothers, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're taking away all my culture. And like, we have so much of a cultural differences within the Latino space. And all of it is beautiful, but there's differences, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think um, I had to relearn what I am, you know, like, like, cause like I said before, it was definitely like a drop off. So when I moved from New York to the South, it was it, all the changes and all different differences. My parents not really speak on it. It was more so, Hey, this is a new lifestyle. Get with it, you know? Yeah. So I had to find myself again. And through that, everyone's saying, oh, you're a fucking Mexican. You're not, you're not a Puerto Rican. They don't know what Puerto Rican is. You know, I think I had to learn the ins and out of what, what is, what is my culture? Like, like what, what do we stem from? You know, like we are, as Puerto Ricans, we are from the indigenous people, the Tainos, and then mm-hmm. the black slaves that was brought to the, the island and with Spaniard colonizers, you know? So we're a mix of a lot. So I get that people might not understand what Puerto Rican is, you know? And when I was younger, I wouldn't be fully comfortable playing Spanish music in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the place I'm at. Because in the South, they're really racist, not gonna lie. Like that was my biggest problem with the South. And if you play Spanish music loud out there, you're going to get some eyes. People are like, yo, what the fuck is going on? What is this? You know? And so now, fast forward, seeing Bad Bunny doing what he's doing. Like, I could put fully, like, I, I could bump this shit and not feel a certain type of way. Because also, he made it popular without taking the integrity out from the music. You yeah, know? If anything, he, he kept the integrity in there. Exactly. He said, yo, I'm going to do Spanish music. I'm going to speak Spanish and continue with it. I don't need to speak English to make this shit hot. And that's so commendable. You know, I think a lot of people, they want to go the fast route. They're like, yo, let me take away part of me to get to a certain place. But if you solidify who you are and what you believe in to the very top, you know, like it's the respect is unmatched. Yeah, that's another important thing, especially, you know, whether it's on um, business, whether it's on these platforms, but just staying true to yourself and, you know, owning up to your heritage and just, you know, having it on full display. And so, you know, definitely going from New York to Tennessee, correct? Yeah. 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 De- definitely a bit of a cultural shock. And with the different labels they would place on you, it's like, no, I'm not. I'm not Mexican. I'm Puerto Rican. And then rediscovering your heritage. So how was that process like learning more about your history? Yeah, it was definitely like a slow burn. Because um, like I said, when I was in New York, my school was full of Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, you know, uh, those black kids. And then on the other side, I went to school with Polish kids and like more so the European side of uh, European immigrants. So it was definitely diversity, you know, that was prevalent there. So at the time, I'm sure there's racism around, you know, and of course, being in the hood, there is underlining points of what how that racism does exist, you know. But at that moment, like being a kid, I didn't even like race was so abstract at that point, you know, Mm -hmm. 
But flip side to the South, like little kids are taught in their their houses about these crazy rhetorics, you know? And that's more so part of the Southern culture. You know, that whole Southern pride shit. Like, that's a real thing. And there's a lot of things that people don't consider racist because it, it's, it's super bizarre to break down. Because, you know, they might be saying jokes and be like, oh, yo, I'm not a full racist, but not realizing that what you're saying ties into stereotypes. And those stereotypes are hurtful for certain groups. And, with you know, there's a whole spiral of why it's all bad. But they don't want to see it and they don't want to hear it because they're so stuck in one way of thinking. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That, you know, that, that mindset, oh, this is how I came up. This is my history. So I'm not going to change it for nobody. Exactly. And, and as much as we are a minority in the grand scheme of the country, in the South, you're a bigger minority. You know? So, I mean... It's crazy. I got I when I was there when I was working uh maybe around I'd say junior year, like uh, across like the the county, people would be uh putting up signs saying "Make America White Again." Oh man! And it's yeah, like yo, like tweaking. yeah, it's like yo, as a Latino kid that everyone thinks I'm Mexican and everyone who's a minority out there, like what do you what do you expect from them? And I remember even telling my manager that, who's also a white guy. I was like, yo, you, you see this shit? And he's like, oh yeah, that's fucking awesome. And I'm like, what? Yo, I was like, what the fuck? Like, the, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, yo, like, they're so, they, they, they don't want to hide this shit either. You know, about like the, the, the problems in the South. So I think that, that's the huge bone I got to pick with the South and me being there is that it's so racist when people are like, oh, yo, how's the South? The first thing I say, it's racist. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Not to get too political, <laughs> you know, like nah, that ain't good. We keeping it real, man. We're not, we're yeah. not even talking about. But I feel no, like, sorry, but yeah, to, I feel like being a Puerto Rican, being a minority, it's already political. You know, like like just living, existing mm-hmm. is political. Doing good is political. So, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, technically anything can get political, but it's keeping it real because it's your experience. You know, going to Tennessee and you know, there's people that they stupid they can <laughs> yeah, be, yeah whether it's through the negative stereotypes any kind of offense and you know having to navigate through you know having to navigate through these landscapes and having to discover yourself not discover but know more about your background double downing on it and continue to wear it on your sleeve is a journey it's definitely, definitely a journey so whenever we see whenever i see your work man whenever i see your work whether we talk about billboards where we talk about books it's like yo that's one for our people too that's love bro that's that's, that's one for our people too like we really out here we really doing it we don't gotta fit like a certain niche we don't gotta whitewash what we gotta do we could wear it on our sleeves and we still gonna be rocking with it now for me i live i live in pr for a bit when i was younger then i moved to um yeah i moved to the o in orlando and originally i ain't know no english i eventually learned how to speak english i was listening to spanish music but then i gravitated to hip-hop and Mm. i would like to say at least the part that i was in that I was in East Orlando, I didn't experience much negative stereotypes raised. I like to say there's a good, definitely, people are listening that they know where we are. Yeah, over here, there's a good amount of Hispanics, man. We take, we taking over. But there will be certain instances in Central Florida, depending on where you go. Yeah, they, you probably wouldn't want to be walking near that house. They, they, they're, a yeah. little, they, they're a little racist. I probably had one real, like, real negative experience when I was younger with my brother where we were passing we were passing out pizza flyers or a pizzeria we go and knock on the house and then the first thing two two elder white folks 
they come out with the gun saying we don't like your kind get out of here which was yeah that was definitely a culture shock that's but crazy one thing that i could definitely say you know growing up here is that i i'm grateful that i haven't really experienced anything negative aside from that hmm. and that most like 99.9 percent of the you know white people i've engaged with have been kind and loving and, you know, ain't nothing been too crazy, but, you know, at the same time, it does exist out there. Yeah. And, you know, we got to do what we got to do, regardless if people rock with it or not. Yeah. And also, when you talk about Orlando, um, I think the biggest population for Puerto Ricans uh, is New York. I mean, other than Puerto Rico is New York and then it's uh, Florida. So Damn like straight, Miami man. and all that. So, yeah, that's that's a big thing. And when talking about racism, yeah, I remember. So I got kicked out when I was 17 and you know i had to try to you know get what i needed to do just to survive and i was trying to get this apartment from this one older white man and uh i was trying to get it with my homie and he's he's mixed and mm-hmm. he wouldn't let us uh get the apartment because he was he, he was like straight racist i remember my brother the thing is so i'm i'm puerto rican and i'm also swedish mm-hmm. so my so my father he was born in the Bronx, you know, grew up in the 60s. And then also my mother, she's straight from Sweden. She came over here probably in her like 30s. And then she lived in Yonkers for like 25 years. So uh, she's still a New Yorker, you know. Um, but yeah, it's I, my my brother, you know, he's, he's a little bit lighter than I am. And um, he was with me during the search for these cribs. And... That man was so polite to him, you know, and he was so dismissive. And the first question he asked me and my homie, he was like, how many kids y'all have? I was like, what? We don't got no kids. What, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, over here, we're, we're a super tight niche uh, community. And they're like, we don't want none of the loud music. We don't, you know, we don't, you know, you know, we don't fuck with that like, hip hop shit. And I was like, bro, we do not, we had, we did not play any music. We're super respectful, you know, and all of that. So I think it's, when I think back on my the racist shit that I had to go through, it really goes down to like, yo, I was not able to get a crib at a dire situation because of racism. So shit is crazy, man. I mean, everyone it affects everyone differently. And the one thing I have to note too, that there's a huge colorism problem within many communities. And I am also on the lighter side of, comparably to like the black kids who had to go through this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like me going through that, it, yo, it's so fucked, you know, like, like it's shit is crazy, you know, so. I bet it could be pretty confusing at times too, just depending on who you're speaking with. Definitely, definitely. Because again, like, not all white people are fucking evil. <laughs> I don't want to get that. You know, I'm not trying to say <laughs> that, you know, but when you're in the South, you know, you could pick up a thing or two and then, you know, when you go to school in like the South, South, you start to like kind of realize what america is technically based off of and uh you know i mean you go you go deeper and deeper into this shit but it's all fucked race is just a made-up fucking it's, it's all made up it's not real so i mean if you try to make it make sense you're gonna be lost in the sauce yeah one thing i could confidently say at this stage from my experiences i do believe there's a lot more love and there's a lot more camaraderie than what's displayed sometimes And, you know, I believe as long as we continue to, you know, we love each other, we love thy neighbor, all that good stuff, it'll eventually, it's just going to keep increasing. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think they keep increasing the appreciation. Yeah, and, I think the kids. Yeah, the kids are definitely doing good now. You know, I think when you see these people fighting for, you know, everything they're fighting for right now. You know, the the the, the way the country is. You know, there's definitely a lot of people on our side versus back in like the '60s. You know, so I think yeah, I think as a country, shit's still you know iffy, but the people. I think they're, you know, they're learning and they're getting with the overall message that, yo, we, we got to fight this together and we got to be together to actually grow and, you know, continue. Yeah, it, it isn't. Hey, it isn't all of us against the white people. It's like, yo, anybody that has that hate and malice, we uniting against y'all. Like, we ain't really yeah. rocking with the people still holding on to those values. And yeah. Oh, yeah. So to continue on with the Bad Bunny, ah, man, I love it. Yo, I, I was saying he's having like, this is his views here. Like what views was for Drake, un verano sin these for Bad Bunny. Like it's ridiculous seeing how many people loving him. The people that don't even speak Spanish. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I see these little babies jamming <laughs> to his music and they don't speak, no, they don't even speak English. You know, they, they, don't, they don't speak nothing. And they bump to the Bad Bunny and they know that Bad Bunny song. So I think that's, I love it. You know, I'd love to see it. I wish more people, you know, go in the same footsteps he's in. And, um, also, you said he's similar in the Drake's uh, views era, but he, I think he just outsold Drake. I think he's one of the biggest on like Spotify, if I'm not wrong. Yo, I'm, yo, he's broken a lot of records. He's broken Drake's views records for the most number one, uh, most number one weeks going. I think he has like 15, 16 plus weeks at the Crazy. number one spot. Yeah, so, I think it was man, like five weeks. He sold over 200,000. Probably, I wouldn't doubt it, man. Like this man, commercially insane, but the way he's been able to stay genuine to who he is, especially in the music, yeah, I gotta, you gotta love, it, you gotta appreciate it. Exactly, bro. Yeah. So to take a couple steps back, uh, we're gonna be wrapping it up slowly. Business, being able to handle business. How have you grown in this space? Whether it's on um, you or your manager contacting certain entities, or are they contacting you? How have you grown in this? Yeah, um, to be honest, all the work I've done, uh, they approached me. So I don't really do any cold calling or do I like seek Ooh, opportunities. Let's hear about it one more time. They approach you, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear so. about it one more time. <laughs> they approach me, you feel me? So mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, that ties into consistency and where you post. Um, because the, the the more you post, the more people have eyes on it. And a lot of times when I post on Instagram, Twitter, it, it ends up being on like Pinterest or some other scope of the internet that I haven't even touched. So it's just having a digital footprint, you know, with your name attached, you know? So my name is always in bold, Shane Ramos, you know? And uh, I realized that the name is maybe bigger, if not second biggest to my artistry right now. Because it's one thing seeing my work, but it's another being able to tie in my name with it. You know, so it's about how can I have a everlasting style that people could differentiate from, you know? Um, yeah, and uh, not only that, but whenever you look at some of the biggest companies, some of the biggest establishments in America, it's usually a last name. Like, mm. you know, whether we're talking about Berkshire, whether we're talking about other very uh, other various last names, like, yo, having your name as part of the branding, it really stands out. It's like, like you said, as much as art is memorable, it's like the Shane Ramos. That also sticks too. 
Yeah, I think also another huge thing, if you're a visual artist, if you're a rapper, if you're a musician, singer, anything, you need to have a business email in your bio. You know, there's- Business email in the bio. Yeah, the DMs are all good, but when it comes to contracts and all that, you need to have an email, you know? So I think if you just learn one thing from this podcast is to have a, a business email in your bio. Um, usually what people do when they approach me for a potential uh, project is that they email me, they uh, give me, you know, a brief summary of what they're needing, you know, what they want. At times they will give me a mood board of the pieces I've made in the past. And from there, you know, and me a and, question. Yeah. Uh, what's a mood board? A mood board. So it's basically a collection of pieces I've made. They put maybe in like a, a PowerPoint, a, a quick presentation and they're like, hey, okay, we want this overall vibe, you know? So we, like maybe the colors of this this piece you made and the style of that, we want textures of this, you know? So just give me a good um, understanding of what they're looking for. And- uh, Okay, okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that made sense. Yeah. And then from there, if everything sounds good, we're like, all right, cool. We'll send over the contract. And then the contract- Another thing, if you're an artist, a visual artist, singer, rapper, read your contracts. Contracts mm. are very dangerous. It's usually not meant for people, everyday people. There's people who go to college just to be able to read contracts, you know? So I think for your own sake, do your due diligence and read your contracts. And not only that, I recommend having someone else over, like review it too, or review it. You know, um, uh, four eyes is better than two. You know, even if you have a homie who is not not the best at reading, or you know, have a parent who you know, you you maybe you hate reading. It does not matter. Just you're there for your for uh to, to help yourself and make sure you're not in a bad situation. And not all contracts are, but you know, just you know, just just to help yourself in the future. Maybe you know, um, there's an, all contracts are not good. And not all contracts are bad. So I think just you do your due diligence and uh, make sure you read them. So once the contract looks good, they might send you an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. So you can't okay. talk about it uh, until it's finished. Um, and if everything looks good, uh, we, we do it. And then we start the processing uh, part of everything. So they pretty much give you a file. Be like, all right, fill in your taxes, uh, fill in your billing address, your name, etc. And then from there, this is where the payment starts. So a lot of people, they want to do payment once it's done. But for me, I don't like doing that. So mm-hmm. I do a minimum uh, half payment up front, half when it's done. When it comes to corporate work, you know, I believe corporate that- Corporate work, we want that 50% right yeah, off the rip and then 50 I, when it's done. Exactly. I believe that you should get paid up front, but you know, there's co- the compromise in business. You know, mm-hmm. so um, once we agree and everything works, you're going to get hit with a net 30 or a net 60. So before and you celebrate. What, what is that? What is yeah. a net 30 and a net 60? So before you celebrate the money you just got, um, you're not going to get it either from net 30, which is 30 days or net 60, 60 days out. And okay. that's after it gets processed. So once you turn in your, your, your tax info and your billing address and all that, after it's processed, then that will start. So 
you might have a huge project this month. You're not going to get the money this month. Or maybe you, you get half up front if you ask about it, you know? Um, so before you splurge as an artist and you, you realize that it didn't hit your bank, save yourself some uh, problems and just wait till it fully clears and, you know, goes in your bank account and um, just play it safe. I think as, an, as a freelance artist, you need to realize that a lot of this shit is on, like a, on a daily basis type of deal, like a monthly basis shit. So I suggest stacking up your dough. Be careful what you spend on. Um, and, you know, to stack two or three months of rent. You know, just, just really get your money up and then you can start splurging on yourself. You know, because this is, this is a scary scene to be in. You know, um, it takes a lot of balls to be in this shit. So, yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of horror stories and, you know, um, it's not good, you know, doing some work and not getting paid for a number of months or potentially not even getting paid at all, depending how things were structured. Yeah, man. I mean, this is ultimately we're in the business for people to make money off of us, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that's with relationships and everything. There will be really genuine relationships. You're going to, you know, work with these people and everything's going to be great. You know, like everything's smooth, contracts look good. At the end, payment looks good and everything. And, it, you know, it's mutual respect. But then there are people who are not, who's going to see you as a, like fast cash, you know, and they're going to try to fuck you over. But that's where you do your due diligence. You know, make sure you read everything. Make sure you, you do research on the people contacting you, you know, because some people think that you're, you know, you're not important as an artist, but then they're coming mm-hmm. to you for the work. So I think... You just have to, you know, continue to stay 10 toes down and really uh, understand your worth as an artist. And yeah. your worth then at the same time when it comes to clients, if you know, you know, if they're coming a bit disrespectful or treating you like, you know, you're just some random person, you don't have to accept them, right? Exactly. I think, yeah, the whole thing is like, yo, in this business, I'm, I'm in it. So I don't have to work a regular nine to five and get disrespected on a daily. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't fine with that back in my nine to five days and I'm not fine with it now. You know, if you don't show me mutual respect, then I can't do business with you. And I think, I think that should be the, that, that should, that should be what business is. But when you go to areas like LA, you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to be proven wrong. If you think everything is just all fun and games, you know? So the one thing I want to add is that once you get these projects, and you're making thousands of dollars off of one project, I want to make sure that you make an LLC. Mm. Because when tax season comes and you're making thousand dollars off of one project, tax is gonna fuck you over. Because if you're a solo and you're not under a business entity, tax is way under, different. Yeah, if you're under sole propriety. Exactly, exactly. So when it comes to the point when you're now making more than hundreds of dollars on a monthly basis, you know, LLC is the way to go. All right. Yeah. Uh, not to cut you off, but yeah, this past, well, I think the past two months, I had to get all that in order. I'm like, yo, let me, let me take this, you know, not just officially, but let me handle it in the business attitude, setting up the, almost hit my face on the mic, setting up the LLC, everything that comes with it, the EIN numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, you know, from the start, make sure we have the business email, 
That way, communication, we ain't trying to get it confused with text message, regular email. Whenever you get into contact with the company reaching out to you, understand the contract, have somebody else read it with you, understand everything that's in there. And, you know, as far as payments, we ain't trying to get paid about three months, four months or never get paid. Make sure, you know, whether it's um, you understand it's the net 30, net 60, whether you need some money now and then at the end of the deal that you understand when the payments do. Yep, exactly. So and and make sure you get your money no matter what. You know, sometimes these corporate places, they act as if, oh, no, you don't exist. And we we did do that. Nah, just if you're owed something, you get your money because you deserve it. You know, so sometimes you got to speak up and sometimes you got to speak with authority, you know, and some people don't like that. But this is your money we're talking about. This is your likelihood. You know, this is how you live. So make everything count. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And that was also important too. understanding that, hey, you know, you can make money without doing uh, the papers officially, but setting up uh, the LLC, understanding the business and the taxes that come with it. Because, you know, the IRS already taking our money for everything. You might you got to make sure that you save as much money as possible because the IRS is going to be after you. Exactly. Man. <laughs> they don't care if you already used up the money. It's like, hey, we need our tax money back. And all right. On the business aspect now, let's talk about the 30 days of T-shirts. Man, I was so hyped when I seen the fact that I was like, yo, your art is going to be on t-shirts. I was like, I finally gonna be able to wear it. <laughs> I instantly, when I saw the pin butterfly on, on the black t-shirt, I'm, I'm copying it. No hesitation, I'm copying it. And I'm loving it, wearing it right now, by the way. Damn, that's loving love, bro. T-shirt. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, that's real yeah. love. And yeah, like, yeah, it was, yeah, dude, so that was break a, that, yeah, sorry. Break down, um, no, my fault, let me search it better. So, what pushed you to finally go, you know, the clothing route with your art? What was that process like? And, you know, being able to have your art on clothing, how does it all just feel, man? Man, I've been so many years put into this shit. You know, back when I was 16, that's all I really wanted. You know, if you're an artist and if you love hip hop, you want to do clothing. That's just the natural scope of things. And 100%. Being able to now have people wear my clothes in countries I've never been in or some places I can't even pronounce is bizarre, you know? And also having certain pieces, having art by Shane Ramos is bizarre too, you know? Um, The support got me humble, grateful, all of it, man. It's, you know, as much as y'all see the grind behind the scenes, man, it's tough, you know, just to survive out here at times, you know? But all of it was worth it. And when November, December came through, and when I, when I started dropping it all, I then realized, like, oh, my gosh, we have something here. Like, this is, like, too real. You know, like, what I going in, I was like, all right, man, hopefully I could sell one or two, maybe three shirts. Because I just did not know what, how, would, you know, how would it go. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, day one, unbelievable. Like, completely took away all my... Oh, expectations is expectations crazy like there's some pre- like people who bought 20 shirts in one go you know and like that's love that's it's love. it's crazy man like the like i said the amount of time that i had to work on myself as an artist and all just to put this shit out you know and before the full drop of everything it was just a thought and it maybe like maybe like two weeks before i was like all right well we should do this now you know it's, it's about to hit november december and I think this is the time, you know, and we've been putting out prints. We did posters. 
I even put out mm-hmm. stickers and all that. I but, appreciate the poster too, by the way. Oh man, it's all love again. Like, yeah. I don't want to sound like saying the same thing, but man, like that's true, now, true now, support. Now, let, let's keep repeating it, man. Let's keep repeating it. Yeah. Keep speaking all it. You know, same same appreciation I'm giving to you because you know, you did it. You did it. <laughs> every every moment of your life has led up to where you're at right now, and it's you know, it ain't we ain't just gonna celebrate it once, two, two. We gonna celebrate it every chance we get because you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yeah, man, I love hearing tomorrow's that, not man. Guaranteed. Yeah, so loving loving the shirts, the way you did it to the 30 days. And initially, every day you release. All right, so a bit of context here for you guys listening. The shirts didn't all drop at once. It was throughout the period of a month, a uh, design that Shane made will release on a shirt. So every day it will be a new design. And I love the marketing behind that because it wasn't just like, hey, I got shirts, go cop them. It was like, hey, this artist, this artist shirt dropped today. Tomorrow is going to be a new one. And then you will post work relating to that artist. So it was like every day was almost like a, like an, an event. It was like a theme. And I thought that was just genius on the marketing side of it. I love hearing that, man. Because like I said, like we're a two-man team out here. And I do all the creatives. And then my manager does all the logistics side of things. You know, like all the, all the numbers and, you know, emails and all that. So what you see when it comes to marketing is all me, you know. And um, the amount of work... I had to put into all that. Um, probably I started, we started with the idea of we should do a 30 for 30, um, probably mid-November. So we mm-hmm. had like two weeks to uh, do this whole 30-day drop. And I do have some older pieces that I turned into um, uh, t-shirts. Like for example, like there's some uh, popular ones like the Flower Boy, uh, my older Mac Miller pieces, you know, that that's, that that grew so much to the point where I see it online and they don't know it's me, you know? So I was like, all right, this is a good time to, you know, finally put the name to the pieces and for people to wear. And not gonna lie though, as much planning as you can do with my busy schedule, working with these clients and posting, or try to post every day, there's a lot of shirts, maybe half of it, I had to make the night before, you know? So it was a challenge within itself. Wow. You, know, I, you know, like the whole, I try to make a piece every day for like a year. That mm-hmm. went back intuition. You know, like, like that, that, that was, I was in the same predicament I was in like years ago. And it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. I was like, can I really do this? So can I do a pre-post of a mock-up of the shirts and then do a, a little like, um, like a piece with like Andre, I would write the pricing. I would write uh, the artist's name and whatever it correlates to the artist and me. And then I would have a, a final mock-up of the t-shirt and then the design of the t-shirt, an up-close uh, design of it. So it was a lot of fucking work. And there's a lot of nights where I did not sleep. Maybe I slept 30 minutes. I slept an hour. But I mean, what sleep? What sleep at that point? Exactly, man. Uh, yeah, shit was rough, but... <laughs> Being a, I got motivated motivated every day when more and more people were like, "Yo, I'm copping, I'm copping," and I, it's just, it's not necessarily, "Oh, yo, people are buying it, and I'm seeing the cash," but more so like, "Yo, people are, are now able to wear a piece for, of me in the real world," you know. So there, there'll be people. I, I remember I started with the D, like one of the DMX's shirts. I put Mary J. Blige uh, as a T-shirt. I had a Locks T-shirt. I had Bad Bunny 
but a lot of uh, the t-shirts of artists from Yonkers, I added Yonkers details within it. So there's some people in like South Africa who have a DMX shirt and they have a part of where I'm from and they don't know anything about it and they might not even know it's Yonkers. So, you know, so I think in that aspect too, it's bizarre because now I feel like Yonkers are now being expanded by not just the, the you know, the battle Yonkers, you know, um, and bringing new light to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, it's and crazy. For, and, and for those people that are listening to this right now, they're learning even more around. They're probably like, hey, let me look at my shirt real quick. Let me look at the bits and pieces, you know, from your own life that are continuing to live somebody else's body, man. That, it really is ridiculous. And yo, I was excited, man, because like I said, I've been following since 2018. Uh, that's whenever I discovered the Shane Ramos and I've just been following him all the way up until now. So when I saw the shirts we were releasing, I'm like, oh, finally, this is the time. And then just recently, you released the LA shorts. Yeah, the LA New York shorts. Yes, you United yeah. Struggle. You got the Statue of Liberty in the lower right-hand side. You got the peace sign. So tell us about the shorts, man. Yeah, man. I think me as an artist, I want to have a branch of me doing what I got to do with the comes up corporate side of things. So I want, you know, I want to continue doing books. I want to work with these corporations like Netflix and all that. But also, I want to make my another entity of just clothing. You know, what I consider the t-shirts and all is to be my own merch. And then these shorts are uh, in, in almost a similar way, merch from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, to go into like the message behind the United Struggle, United Struggle is actually from a political Puerto Rican party in, in the US back in like the 60s, I believe. And they were hand in hand with the Black Panther Party. And their whole, the, the one, one of their bigger um, models- me. Yeah, one of their bigger models was United Struggle. You know, so I think that speaks, you know, volume. And I try to put messages in my pieces without you really knowing, you know, you needing to know what it means, you know, mm-hmm. Cause I think even if you don't know the, the background of it, I think people could also get with the, 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 the program with it. You know what I'm saying? The same in itself, United Struggle, you know, we've all come together, gone through trials and tribulations, just that idea yeah and even on the shorts on like the top uh area it says south yonkers you know and then on the la side it's hollywood boulevard you know so it's where i'm from and now where i'm at and yeah it's it's more so it's summer i know that people want shorts i want to try a new thing uh me and my manager we decided to invest in it we got a heat press so the machine to actually press everything and these are all one for one in 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 a way because we're oh, pressing wait, them. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's go back a bit. Heat press. So, you yourself are making the t-shirts, not the t-shirts, but we're making the shorts. Cause making, okay, making the shorts. All right. Yeah, because mesh, it's harder to um, you can't really screen print on them, and mm-hmm. because of the material, you gotta like do it differently. So basically, a heat press is a super strong hot iron and. You ha- it's like a clasp at the top. You press it down and it gets so hot, the top layer burns into the shorts and that makes it stick to the mesh shorts. And it essentially burns into the shorts. All right, all right, I'm following. <laughs> yeah, they might be a bit uh, detailed, but yeah, so we invested in that. And luckily enough, like 
the week after everything paid off. So now, you know, in the future with that machine, I could put out jackets. Um, every, majority of what I'm needing other than shirts uh, with that machine. So next, uh, the ne- I think what comes next other than t-shirts and the shorts, I think either by the end of this month or next month, I'll be dropping hoodies. Hoodies. Oh, right, yo, we're getting close to the fall. We're getting close to that season. Hoodied up 24-7. And that's something to be on the lookout for. All right. Yeah. So I considered all the things I'm doing, like the t-shirts, the shorts, and the hoodies, they're all under my merch brand. You know, so it's, you know, what, what you consider other people's merch. And then mm-hmm. I'm also going to be start rolling out cut and sew or a little bit, you know, uh, heavier quality pieces, a little bit more artistic type of pieces. And that will be an expansion of my merch. So if you want to look out for certain hoodies and all that, probably in the next few months after this, I'll also be dropping a Tupac hoodie. That's more on like the washed vintage side of things. And I'm just experimenting right. with products. You know, I want to be in this for the long haul. I want to end up, you know, putting something out for summer, fall, winter, and really stick All with everything. Yep. We're, we're trying to wear the Shane Ramos. We're trying to wear the merch. We're trying to wear everything year round. Yeah, man. And it's love because I don't even, I don't really promote my clothing like that. And the past, even the past month or two, I've been getting so much love. And I, I'm questioning, how the fuck did y'all find out about me uh, at this page? And I'm like, bro, it's it's like bizarre. So pretty much how my business is set up is I have independent artists who contact me for work. I have the corporate side of things that reach out. And now this is also another entity of my business of just just the ShaneRamosStore.com or ShaneRamosStore.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it's also great to see for for those of you guys this at the not at the Shane Ramos on Instagram. You can see right now just looking at your followers, it, it isn't like you have millions, but the fact that your impact, your influence, the relationships you've built, the businesses you've done, are far superior to any kind of number we can have on an algorithm. Just goes to show the impact and the love people have for what you create, man. Yeah, man, I, I know that uh, there's uh, times where people reach out. Like for example, um, my the 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 designer who reached out for the Disney book, you know, mm-hmm. she found me um, throughout the different social media platforms. But she said she saw some of my pieces on Pinterest. I don't even post on Pinterest, and she was like, "I be seeing you everywhere, so I feel like it's it's I need to work with you since it's everywhere." And she was like, "Then I went to her." She said she went to her friend's crib and saw my Mac Miller poster on his wall. Wow. You know, so hearing that from someone who's behind Disney and being able to work with her, I think that's bizarre. So I think majority of the support you get might be quiet. During my 30 days of uh, t-shirts, I wasn't getting thousands of likes on every post. You know, maybe I was getting 100, 150, 200, 300, 400, but that does not disregard all the support who's actually buying everything. You know, like like a lot of people want to, to support silently. You know, so don't get mixed up with the numbers. Numbers on social media does not mean money in the real world. You know, it does not relate to dollars. So I'd say if you want to put out clothing and all that, just start, you know, just just start. That's the best thing I can say to you. 
Definitely. No, that's that's definitely great insight, great advice. And the way life just be going full circle, man. From her going to somebody else's crib and seeing you working there too. Yeah, man. Yeah. And for those of you guys listening to right now, ShaneRamosStore.com. Not only can you get the shirts, not only can you get the shorts, but you could get the prints. Yeah. And stickers. And yeah. Prints, stickers, and posters. Yep, big yep, posters yep. we could get them all right there as well and man i'm excited for the hoodies uh, i'm loving seeing what you're doing with the shorts and i know in, i know in the future i'm gonna cop a couple more shirts definitely <laughs> it's love and bro one, one last question man so for the next five years you already spoke about some of the stuff you have for the future but what do you see yourself in about five years man five times bigger in every aspect five times you know bigger minimum so i think it's i i just want to I still want to take it day by day because, you know, I think you don't want to get lost in the sauce. You know, like it's good to have bigger goals, but understand that it takes a lot to get there. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, Nipsey Hussle, he talked about, he said, perfect timing feels like it's too late. So when you think and when you want everything to happen, it might not happen, but don't lose hope. You know, continue and, you know, trust the process. That's the biggest thing growing up. My old art teacher would say, trust the process. And throughout my time in this space, I've learned just to trust the process. You know, what you want is not what you need at times, you know. So I want to be able to expand my business on the corporate side. You know, I want to expand my company as a clothing brand. I want to end up, you know, hopefully within the next couple of years to expand to an actual warehouse. Um... I want to make figurines. I want to dabble in furniture. I, I want to do so furniture. much. Yeah, it's so. I, I'll be putting out fitteds. You know, I want to make my own jeans. You know, like there's you so see every, it all. Yeah, everything I, I I wear or I like on a base a daily basis, I want to create. So, it's it's pretty much endless, man. You know, I. Yeah, I also uh been you know working on making a uh, art gallery space for other mm-hmm. artists and like myself so in the future i want to host uh galleries so there's a lot there's a lot of moving parts of it but when everything happens it will happen on time you know so that's right that's right we all in our own perfect time and i just want you know i want to thank you for coming on the podcast today um Man, time time has flowed by, giving us the journey up until this point, some of the obstacles you face, ways to structure yourself, how to handle business accordingly, and the various aspects of your life from, you know, growing up in Yonkers, going to Tennessee, to what you're doing right now, how it all crafted the person who is Shane. And, yo, shout out to your manager, too. We got we to gotta give, gotta give him a round of applause. And thank you. I can't wait to continue to see not just what you're going to be doing soon, but the next one, two, three, four, five years where we're going yeah, to be man. at. I want to extend the love to you too, though. I've been seeing you. You're on your grind. Like you said, you've been doing this since 2018. You, you, your numbers have been going up. Your support has been going up. You know, it's mutual love and respect on this side. Even you going to your reels, you know, that's, that's, that's love, bro. Like, like, you're really doing your thing out here and you're growing and I love to see it, you know, so... As excited as you are for me, I am for you. So, you know, there's always going to be love out here. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. Love hearing that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. And then um, 
Well, y'all, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.